electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Robinhood's IPO, Facebook's blowout earnings, and of course, the countdown to Amazon's numbers after the bell. Our investment committee breaking down it all, debating all of it as well. With me for the hour today, Josh Brown, Steve Weiss, Kerry Firestone, John Nigerian, Anastasia Amoroso is iCapital Network's chief investment strategist. Good to see everybody. New records for the Dow, new records for the S&P today. Investors digesting those earnings reports, as I said. We're going to get to those in just a moment. But first, the big IPO. Robin Hood going public today. Let's bring in our Leslie Picker with the very latest as we wait for the first trade. We've seen a lot of activity where you are. Leslie, are we getting close? Yeah, I don't think we're getting close per se, Scott. I think it's still going to take a bit more time for them to really uh, match those trades to be able to open this stock. Uh, as you can kind of see me see behind me, uh, there are a bunch of Robinhood employees learning about the process right now of matching the orders of, of buys and sells and trying to really hone in on that price by which to open shares. Now, it's indicated at this point in time at $38, which was the offering price. So right now looking at uh, pretty much no pop on its debut. It's been trending downward. The indications uh, started around 42, have been trending toward that $38 number ever since about 1010 this morning. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see. We're expecting potentially some activity within the next hour, maybe hour and a half or so with regard to an opening here. Leslie, you stay with me. Let's bring in the committee. I'm I'm really curious to figure uh, how they're seeing it today. Um, you know, Josh Brown, if we're, if we're speaking to a professional audience mixed in with a, a heavy retail viewer, what do you tell them about this IPO? I'm personally not interested in owning it, but I'm fascinated by the story and everything that they've built. Uh, I think a lot of this really started out as regulatory arbitrage. The, the, the neat trick was getting big enough, fast enough, before anybody knew what was happening. And they just paid a big fine uh, related to some of that regulatory arbitrage. So maybe they'll clean up their act. But in the end, this is not an investing business. This is online gambling. If I wanted to invest in that, I'd probably be more interested in DraftKings. Um, I don't really see this as being vastly superior in any way to any of the other publicly traded brokerages. In fact, it's inferior in many ways. The median Robinhood customer has a $240 balance in their account. The average is about $5,000. You compare that metric with a Charles Schwab, and you would just say, I want to own Schwab. This is going to have an outrageous valuation because of how fast it's growing, and that's undeniable. You can't take that away from them. But what are they really growing? And if you take out payment for order flow, if you say, all right, 75% of this company's revenue is uh, payment for order flow, which is basically allowing one group of investors to take advantage of another group of investors, if that's the whole business, I'm not sure that that's the kind of thing that I want to personally invest in. I also would note that they require a lot of people trading, I can't say the word, so I'll say altcoins, 
but a lot of the growth and revenue over the last year has come from things like Dogecoin. So you could make the case that there's gonna be more of that in the future and that the margins for, for crypto trading will stay high. I doubt it, the investors in Coinbase doubt it too. Uh, so I think we're probably coming off of the best year Robinhood will ever have, 2020 and early 2021. Why? It's hard to imagine that that environment will ever be replicated. Why, why do you say it's online gambling? Th those were your words. I mean, isn't that a slight to the 22 and a half million funded accounts and the users that Robinhood has? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. why do you characterize no. it as, as online gambling? The average user is 31 years old, which means a lot of their users are in their early and mid-20s. When you're in your early and mid-20s, it's okay to gamble. That's what my generation did. I was 22 years old during the dot-com bubble. We weren't serious investors. We were gambling too. So I, there's, nothing wrong, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. You can't tell me, though, that this platform is built for investing. There's not one aspect of the user interface that encourages long-term investing. Will they change that? Maybe, but that's not great for revenue if they do, because all of the money this company makes is based on encouraging people to do frequent, uh, aggressive trading so that they can sell those orders to Citadel. And again, it's legal. And the other brokerage firms use payment for order flow also. And I don't have a problem with it if it subsidizes commission-free trading. But let's not pretend that this is an investing platform. Uh, this is a platform for frequent trading. And if you want to engage in that, the Robinhood app well, is amazing at let's, it. It's let's, a lot of fun. Let's hear but from that's what this is. Let's hear from one of our frequent, frequent traders. Dr. J, I'm looking at you. I feel like you have something to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely disagree with almost everything Josh just said. Um, I disagree because, number one, virtually every broker on the street takes payment for order flow. If it hurts Robinhood, if they take that. it away, it hurts every broker with? on the street. I just yep. said that. I also I just said that. Yep. I also, I disagree. Can I speak, please? I also said that what I don't the like the way that you're categorizing them as gamblers. I think... Perhaps you were a gambler, Josh, when you were in your 20s, but I don't think these folks are gambling. I think they are getting used to investing in stocks, options, futures, cryptocurrencies. I think that's a good thing. I don't want to demean those people and say you're just like a gambler that demeaning. goes to a horse track. That is demeaning. It's, yes, it's it John, is demeaning. It's um, not because demeaning. This There's is real money. Look, there is go, nothing wrong not, with nothing it. Wrong with we it. can go. We can go point counterpoint. I'm fine with that. That's what the backbone of this program is. Mm -hmm. But we can't go talk over, talk over, because then nobody gets anything out of anything. <laughs> John, finish your yeah, thought, please. Well, then, Josh, you can rebut whatever you right. want to. Right. I think that uh, Robinhood. The reason I'm not as uh, anxious to be on this one, Scott, is I disagree with Josh that this has become a great place for people to trade actively. It is not. I mean, there are far many other platforms out there, including interactive brokers, platforms I have no involvement in whatsoever, but those platforms that are much better for a frequent trader than Robinhood is. Robinhood shut these people down and didn't let them trade, only let them buy back in February and March, Scott. Does that sound like a place that's trying to attract really active traders? I'd say no. no it sounds like a place, but you know, it, it, does, what, it does sound like a place that, you know, has some growing pains. Um, and that's been one of the issues yes. that, that their investors are, are going to have to deal with.
Steve Weiss, you want in? They had no choice. I agree. They had a net capital I, I issue. I do want They in. had no choice but to shut trading down. No, we, we know okay. that. We, we know I do that. Want but, in. But, but that speaks in and of itself to some of the growing pains that the company has had to go through over the last many months. Um, we may not, we wouldn't be talking about this IPO today had they not done that, more than likely. They, they would have gone out of business. I think we know that. Steve Weiss. Yeah, look, whether or not the people on it are gamblers or informed investors doesn't matter. You check any online brokerage or any, you know, they're all online. You have your share of gamblers, so-called gamblers and investors. Let's put that aside. The critical issue here, in my view, is that you could wake up one day and Gensler decides that payment for order flow is against the interest of investors. He has as much said so. If that happens, this company is out of business. Yeah, but what's the likelihood, though? Let, let's be honest. I, I know I that's a good. I happen. know that's a good talking point. Okay, I get it. What right. is the likelihood, though, of that happening? Robinhood is not the only company that does payment for order flow. So you'd be disrupting right. a large swath of of the way that the buying and selling of stocks. Uh, has been is being done now to the way some brokerages operate. Do you really think that that's a possibility? I mean, really, is, what is the doubt, likelihood Scott, of that? Without a doubt, a without a doubt, it's a possibility. Just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean it won't be stopped. We used to Reg FD came out because every company was favoring particular analysts with inside information. So they went to material disclosure in Reg FD. So absolutely, it's a real risk as it should be. And in fact, Gensler has singled out Robinhood for poor execution at the expense of their investors in terms of rewarding that order flow to Citadel and others. So, yes, I think it's a real possibility. Okay. But the point is, you're not getting paid for it. You want to buy a broker truck. This is not Amazon in its infancy. It's not Uber. It's not any of that. This is an online brokerage company that's not making any money. That as a matter of fact, the more clients they bring, the more accounts they bring on, the more money they lose. And yes, this is the peak form. Maybe the peak goes out another year, but this is as good as it gets. And why would you ever buy a company that has, why would you ever trade in this platform? I've traded on it. It took a week for my wire to clear. That okay. shouldn't happen. L it clears the same day or the next day. It took a week to execute Bitcoin trade. Let me, let me just also note so that, that go Wa elsewhere. Wall Street is weighing in today, too, by the way. You, you don't get coverage publicly by a lot of people at this point. But Atlantic Equities has initiated overweight $65 as the price target on Robinhood. Leslie Picker, uh, you're still with me, uh, I believe. I'm still uh, here. I'm assuming you heard all these comments. And how is the company dealing with some of the issues that Steve Weiss and Josh Brown have raised? I think they are very common issues that they have been uh, speaking with investors about on the roadshow. As one source put it to me, you know, investors see this one as having some warts. Now, whether you can kind of overlook those warts in order to invest in a company that has strong brand recognition and has historical growth, the question is whether that continues. Uh, that is what we will see today. I think part of that calculus is why you saw pricing at the bottom of the range and why you're seeing indications that it will open where it priced at $38 a share. Now, this is a difficult deal. It's a difficult sell for all of those reasons that they outlined. But stranger things have happened. So we should be hearing 
potentially in about a half hour or so. That is when uh, these shares, at least we're hearing from folks over here at the NASDAQ, could begin trading. So right here during halftime report. All right. Well, uh, do you stay with me? Because um, I, mean, I may need to come back to you momentarily, too. But, you know, Kerry, um, I thought one of the best points I've heard today on the network came from Jason Calacanis, who was on Tech Check just a short time ago, who suggested that the, the best thing that could happen today for retail is that the stock stays right around $38 um, for a long time, for, for, for many months, to prove exactly the opposite of what Josh Brown's issues are, that investing is a long game, that it's not a casino and that should be taken as such and if the stock sticks around 38 bucks and retail's going to have to get its arms around the fact that this isn't just a, a you know a pop and drop kind of kind of uh, environment well, that's an interesting thought. Um, I, I would say that investing relates a lot to the value inherent in the, the stocks that are publicly traded. And investors have to decide what it's worth. You know, it's 14 or 15 times sales, and they're not going to earn money for quite a while. It's a tough environment they're in when you have no commissions and you have to get your revenue from placing trades and trade flow, you know, I, I, I think it makes that value proposition more difficult. If the stock trades at 38 and it grows into some level of earnings over time, I, I, I think that's great. I, I don't have a sort of black and white a, a view of, of the stock. We don't own it. We own Schwab. It sells for 19 times next year's earnings, 16 times the following year's earnings. It's average, as, as Josh pointed out, the average Robinhood account is forty five hundred dollars versus 25,000 on Schwab. Um, but there, there are some aspects to Robinhood that I think are very attractive. It has um, you know, millions of participants and they're growing older and they'll earn more money. And it, it, I wouldn't consider it so much gambling as gaming. And the gaming industry is, is enormous. And there are elements to Robinhood, that platform, that remind me of video games. Not that I, I, I'm such a huge user, but I played some and I've used Robinhood and I think they're similar. So I, I can uh, imagine this company growing uh, its earnings over time. It's not ready for us at this point to make an investment. Um, and, and, you know, as for where the stock is going to trade and how long, I, I think investors will make that decision based Look, on what they see as its future. Let, let, let's be clear, too. And, and Josh, I'll, I'll come back to you. Anastasia, I'll come to you in a sec. Um, this company, Josh, does need to grow up in a hurry. The, the gamification, if you will, of some of the activities around what Robin Hood has been accused of in the past um, not all of that's going to fly in the future as a, as a publicly traded company. The way that Robin Hood and its CEO, Vlad Tenev, uh, are going to communicate with investors changes overnight. I mean, it's a publicly traded company. The scrutiny is going to be on this company unlike anything that has existed to this, to this point in time. That will cause them, Josh, to perhaps grow up a little bit as well. It may cause some of the investors that you think are, are gambling too much and not looking as an at investing as a long, a long game um, to do the same. You can only misunderstand this if you're deliberately trying to misunderstand this. Listen to me very carefully. There is no possible way you can make the case that Robinhood is not trying to get as many people to place as many trades as frequently as possible. That is how Robinhood wins. Again, people have free will. 
They don't have to go along with the gamification, right? Not everybody has to do that, but that is what they want to happen. That is fundamentally at odds with what's in the best interest of most investors. The majority of investors are not going to be John Najarian and consistently profitably trade on a daily basis. It's just never going to happen. For people who have full-time jobs and then flip open their phone on their lunch hour, they're not gonna be able to do it. Now, if you tell me, so what, this is recreation? Well, I agree, and I don't have a problem with it, and people can spend their time and their money however they want, but please, please, let's not call this an investing app. And back to what Carrie said about Schwab, if you really want to invest in a brokerage uh, company, Robinhood has 60% as many customers at Schwab, right? They might even catch them in terms of the number of customers, but they're only bringing in 11% of Schwab's revenue. Why? Schwab has a huge asset management business. Schwab has 401k. Schwab is doing all the things Robinhood's doing, payment for order flow, stock loan, uh, you know, for, for short sale. They, they have all of those businesses, but then they've got businesses that are actually profitable. And Robinhood could get there. It's not that they can't get better or bring on more services. It's just that you are paying a full valuation as though they've already done it. And we have no proof that they can okay. do it. So from an investment standpoint, forget about how I feel. From an investing standpoint, it's a huge bet at this valuation. It could work, but it's not a great bet when there are other alternatives that you can invest in in the markets already. So, look, as, as often happens on this program, thankfully, uh, is Jim Cramer hears certain things and decides he needs to join the conversation, which we're grateful for. Um, he literally wrote the book on making money carefully. Uh, right, Jim? Yes, um, why'd you come out? Well, I, I just think this is a big day and uh, one of those seminal days where you have 22 million people uh, maybe paying attention that wouldn't otherwise. And you've got a, a company that did revolutionize and I believe democratize at the same time. Josh is right. I mean, my travel trust owns Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley bought E-Trade. It's not an expensive stock at all. If you uh, are good at E-Trade and you want to go up the food chain, there's more and more. You get some good advice and they have a good 401k business. And, and, and so it, it doesn't make sense that Robinhood is going to be valued at this price unless you believe that they're going to continue to add people. Uh, the, only reason I di the only reason I would disagree with Josh is that in the last two months, they have been working furiously to do a lot more than just uh, be an app. And, you know, Josh, I got to tell you, it, you have to agree with me that if they pull it off, if they can be much more than an app, then they may just love the stock and they can take it at places that you and I think it doesn't belong. It's, to it's totally possible. And, it's, and, it, and I would point out, it's happened before where single-use apps, especially in finance, have moved up the ladder, added new services, and their users embraced them. And a really great example of that is Square. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying they won't do it, they can't do it, they shouldn't do it. What I'm saying is the valuation that you're paying today is as though they have already done it. You're, you're right. I remember when Square was at $12. They can, they can accomplish all these things. Yeah, Sarah Fryer called me and says, do you know what's in the hopper here? I said, I know that you had a bad quarter. I, I know that, that as far as I'm concerned, uh, MasterCard or Visa can squash you at any given time. Uh, and it's, I listened to what she had to say, uh, Josh, and I said, well, look, I guess if you execute, you can pull it off. But they executed and executed and executed, and that's what we have. And, uh, Judge, I've got to tell you, do I think that Vlad can do that? I think Vlad's got to surround himself with more people. But I really liked what he said today, which was that they're more about safety. I did not think that was the case uh, even eight, nine months ago. But 
I listen. To, if if you listen to Josh, uh, I think that you're going to make a considered investment. But if you listen to that narrative that we saw at Square and you think about Sarah Fryer, it's entirely possible that they pull it off. So I, I am a believer in Vlad Tenev. Uh, I am a believer in the 22 million strong. But I think that they need to see this stock go up. <laughs> they may be people who say, you know what, this is, maybe some of this is a little bit too much like 2000. And I'm worried about a 2000 scenario. What, really do, you, what do you think, Jim? I mean, look, Vlad's talking a good game. Right? That's what he has to do on this well, day. And he's going to do it tonight, I'm sure, when, when you press him on, on the day's events tonight on, on Mad Money. Um, but what about the idea of what Jason Calacanis put forth earlier, which, which I just thought was a good point? that the best thing that could happen to retail today is if the stock stays around where it is, 38, 39, for months. Because it, it will prove the point that this is not just something to play like a casino. Investing is a long game. And it's done best when it's played that way for most people. And it will teach a lesson to more novice investors who may have cut their teeth or just, you know, just getting into the game because of Robin Hood. Well, look, I think there's something I love Jason. I've known him for 20 years. I, I think there's something between that and, uh, let's say, GameStop. Uh, I think that if Vlad goes from 22 million, say, to 25 million in the next two quarters, we have to respect that and, and, and put a higher multiple but to sales. Uh, when I looked at, at, at the actual sales I, 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 the, in, the, uh, you know, in the prospectus, I said, well, this is only so, so good. But there are a lot of people who are going to get into this business because of Robin Hood. When I meet younger people, they talk about Robin Hood with great reverence. And I was astonished that Robin Hood did as well. I mean, they used to tell me, I said, you guys are in such trouble. They'd say, why don't you check the app? Why don't you check the app store? Why don't you see where we are? They were number one for weeks after GameStop. So they do have, there is a love here. But I really respect what Josh said. I mean, what happens when... You know, people, the unemployed go back to work or they don't have the benefits. Will they really be sneaking mm-hmm. trading? Yeah. And, and, Judge, I don't think they're going to be trade sneakers. Well, speaking of trades, um, Jim, we, uh, Jim, we understand. Hold on, hold on. Because think- Hold on, hold on, Josh, because uh, we're getting closer, we understand. Uh, very close. Leslie Picker, um, you tweeted about four minutes ago that we're 10 minutes or so away. That's uh, so where are we right now? Yeah, so I guess to do the math, about six minutes, that's not a, a hard and fast deadline, uh, but about, I would say, five more minutes until we could see this stock open. Uh, right now, still indicated at about $38 a share. They have 11 million shares uh, paired at this point in time. We were told about five minutes ago that J.P. Morgan, which is the stabilization agent, was giving kind of a 10-minute warning, which is where we got that figure. So we will be watching to see what happens here. Uh, but so far this morning, we've seen the indicative price kind of ticked down. It started at 42 uh, and has gone down to 38 in the last two and a half hours or so. Oh, and we just heard there's a two-minute warning now. So, like I said, the 10 minutes a little squishy, but two-minute warning at this point in time. All right, so let's do this if if we could. Les, you stand by. Um, Guys, if we can take a split shot of if we can see the floor of the NASDAQ so we get a real, uh, real indication of when things open in real time. Thank you for that. Um, Josh, as we look at that picture, um, you wanted to say before I had to cut you off, and I may have to do it again because the minute this thing opens, we're going back to Leslie. Just a question for Jim. From March March 30th uh, uh, last year to March 30th this year, uh, 96% of all stocks in the market went up. And the S&P 500 had a 75% return, which is the best 12 months for the the overall market uh, going back to 1950. That is a once in a lifetime environment. 
Do you honestly think that Robin Hood will ever have a better year uh, <laughs> than the year that we've just finished? Aren't they coming public at the perfect time for them, but maybe not at the perfect time for somebody who buys it today? But, but I looked at the, the pastiche of, of buyers, and I saw from the morning show how many uh, option traders there are. And I was thinking to myself, well, you know what? If you wanted to be a call buyer the last year, <laughs> you made a lot of money. But you know what, Josh, you're right. Easy. Uh, if they were buy and hold, which is what I asked Vlad this morning, how many buy and hold? He didn't have the number, obviously, but I'm just trying to get the point across. But if you bought calls, you think, Josh, you think there's a money tree. And you and I have been around. Did you ever see that money tree? Is like a Johnny Appleseed there for the money tree? Still looking. <laughs> I think a lot of hey, people. Hey, Jim. You know, uh, Weiss, let me just um, also note, I, I may have to interrupt you. Sure. So just keep any question you have uh, brief if you could. Uh, we are really approaching game time here. You can see Vlad Tenev mm -hmm. there. He's clapping his hands in the front. They're getting ready oh, to open Robin Hood. Uh, they're going to get the first trade here. Indicated still uh, at the uh, offer price of $38. Going to have a valuation about $32 billion. So we can talk valuation. It's comparison to some other companies within that range, whether you think it's justified or not. But it is a big day in the history of Robinhood. It's going to be official momentarily, we understand. It will become a publicly traded company. Uh, Jim, go ahead. But again, may have to jump in. Well, I, I'm just looking at the comps here. Uh, I'm looking at the Schwab comp. I'm looking at the Morgan Stanley comp. And I'm thinking, if you own one of those, maybe you're saying, are you kidding me? I mean, everybody from Robinhood has got to go and who took Gottstock has to go and buy another 10 shares. Just like they got one, they got 10. And, you know, Judge, I, I, I don't know. I think the people who there are a lot of people who got stock who I think expected it to be at us talking about and, it at 41, and 43, Jim, 48. And, Jim, it's official now. Robinhood is a publicly traded company. Stock is open for business. $38. Leslie Picker. to deal with the, uh, the elements of live television and IPO, which is the clapping is right there. Uh, I hope our viewers uh, heard Leslie maybe a little bit better than, than I could. Uh, record high for the S&P, record high for the Dow today. Steve Weiss, I apologize for having to cut you off earlier. Um, what do you have to say? So, so a couple of things. Number one, they're not disruptors. 
They're going into a business and they're offering prices which are free, which many, many others are doing. So I don't think they're a disruptor. Number two, they haven't democratized investing. That's been democratized a long, long time ago. And they're talking out of two sides of their mouth because they're going to own, I believe, about 16 percent of the company, but control over 60 percent of the vote. So let's go where their intentions are, which is not one shareholder, one vote. That's really poor governance. Now, I don't think Vlad, he's done a great job taking to this point, but thank God for the pandemic for them, because that fueled the growth. They were bumping along, they were growing, but you cannot value this company as a disruptor when it's not. You've got to value it comparing it to the others that offer a much broader line of services. So look, they've got a purpose for existing. We're seeing what it is. We've got the little, this may be a meme stock, which will drive it, but I disagree with Jason. The best thing for this stock is not to sit at 38, because retail investors are very impatient. The best thing for this stock is to move higher and higher. Thank God for them. They've got two great IPO uh, players supporting them, which are JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. We'll see if they hold the syndicate bid or this drops down. Well, I've done well, hundreds of the deals, literally, and my bet is this breaks deal price, and that won't be a good result. Let me bring uh, Anastasia uh, Amoroso into the conversation. Uh, thank you so much for being as patient as you have been. Of course. Um, the fact that a lot of big IPOs and, and certainly maybe some of the more name brand ones have, have broken offer price, um, what does that tell you about the environment? And as this one just trades fractionally below the, the, uh, uh, the price of 38, what does that tell you about the environment for, for IPOs right now? Yeah, look, this is a red hot environment for IPOs. And I want to comment a little bit on some of the stuff that has been said about valuations. And I'll talk about the broader environment, too. The valuations of this particular IPO is not that out of whack with kind of the reality that we see for some of the fintech names. I know that you can compare it to Schwab and some of the other ones, but the reality is the growth trajectory of a name like this is far, far greater than what we've seen for some of the other names. So I'll give you an example. The average IPO uh, last year uh, at the time of pricing was two and a half times the price that it had in the last private round, two and a half times. And this IPO was priced at about 2.7 times. So it's a little bit on the expensive side, but it's actually not that expensive. And if you look at it in terms of the multiple of revenues on this particular company, it's about 25 times, which is once again, it's a little bit high, but given how much interest there is in FinTech names, it doesn't surprise me. What I'll tell you, Scott, is that the market participants right now are paying remarkable multiples and have remarkable interest in leading FinTech companies. And I think this is one of them that's coming to the market today. So there's a scarcity, scarcity issue that's at play here. Only 3% of the FinTech companies are actually publicly traded. And the fact that this one is yet another one to join that very small group, I think that's providing some of the investor support, but obviously all the other issues that are raised with the, with the committee uh, are you know, valid, so they need to be part of the equation. So, but yeah, to I'm bottom sorry. line is I think this uh, IPO strength that we've seen in the market is just gonna continue because the markets generally, the public markets are rewarding the private companies uh, with rich multiples. Hey, Jim Cramer, you know, as we watch the stock trade below 37, you know, I I'm wondering too about the, the backlash that may exist against this company. As you hear 
you know, some of the hate, vitriol, whatever you want to call it from, from our investment committee members, uh, whether it's Steve Weiss or, or, or Josh Brown, uh, who are hating on, on Robin Hood today on what is no a hate. momentous occasion emotional. For, for, for the company. Not, I'm and not hating the, on it at all. You just dogged the company totally out, Steve. I'm going to hear from, from Kramer. I, I did, but it's you, factual, Scott. This is not emotional. This is factual. I'm giving you the facts. Everything I said was a fact. No, they, well, not emotional. They're not a dis you called them not. You said they're not a disruptor. They're I mean, not come a disruptor. On. Come on. They're not a disruptor. Where, where are they disruptor? What Kramer? did they disrupt? Well, I, 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 they didn't I, come I in, met them. They didn't come. I Kramer? met them six years ago, seven years ago, uh, when I was out doing my tours out west, and they had you know, about 500,000 clients. And uh, Vlad Tenev came on Mad Money. He goes, look, I'm going to have millions of clients. This is really simple. I'm going to disrupt the industry. People are going to want to get involved. You want you, you, you see one day my, I might have 12 million people. And that's going to upend everything. And I was like, listen, like, what is he talking about? He's a long-haired guy, Stanford. I'm sick of Stanford, Stanford this, Stanford that. They're not his clients. But, no, They're but not I, his clients. No, the, no. 22 million, the 22 million users are the product. They're well, not well, his, right. his clients oh, okay, well, that, that's Griffin. Fair. That's fair. I, 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 I don't mean that. You're absolutely right. They're, they're, it's the app. But I just meant that, like, in terms of he had a vision, and, and you got to hand it to him. I mean, I, I thought he was crazy that the app could be that good. But it, it is, Josh, it's, it's a simplified app, and maybe everybody else developed. I, mean, I always thought the, the PayPal app is great. could kill we agree. I thought PayPal could G kill Jim, have you traded on the app? Jim, have you, have you traded on the app? Um, my, my stepson does. Um, I can't see what okay. he does because of my but relationship. But you haven't. I've traded on it. Well, I mean, I watch. Jim, I mean, I've traded you know, on the app. No, oh, no, no. I, I'm not saying, I'm not allowed to trade. You know, so it's not like I can trade. I mean. I'm not avoiding it. I can't trade. I don't have a broker. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I'll tell you my experience with it, okay? Yeah. I went to buy Bitcoin on there because no commissions for buying Bitcoin. PayPal, it's like 5%, all the others mm -hmm. the same. I wired money, okay? The, I wired money, call it Wednesday. Why, morning. The wire didn't get there allegedly till a week later. Any other institution you wired to, it's either that day if you get the early window or definitely next day. I put an order in for Bitcoin. It got executed a week later. Wow. Okay, now, that's terrible. Now, it was terrible. great that it did because it bought it at a lower price. That's terrible. I don't see anything magical about this. It's not a better app than any other financial app out there. Well, their controls. It just came I, I to mean, a I think different it, that's the back office. I think we all know that they've had problems. They have to grow into that. Uh, I, look, I'm not going to defend a lot of the things. I mean, there's a controversies page in the Atlantic Equities piece that is just, is, it's devastating if you read it. You would never own the stock. But, but Judge, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that he, we may not think that the app disrupted things, but there are a lot of people in this industry who wish they had those $22 million. For, for sure. What about the issue, Jim, of, of the payment, since we're talking about risks, the, the payment for order flow? Do, do you think it's a legitimately real risk that Gary Gensler could decide one day that this is not a good practice? And he'll do his best to curb it. And when you're a company getting 80% of your revenues from that payment for order flow, then it becomes a real issue. Well, uh, you know, perhaps he should, perhaps he shouldn't. But the SEC's mandate is to just shine the light. Sunlight is the greatest disinfectant, Justice Brandeis. Is to, as long as there's disclosure, the SEC has typically been happy with these practices. And I think that they, he may demand more disclosure or more thorough disclosure. But I don't, I don't know if Gary's going to make – Gary's a really smart guy, hey, and I think that we all want best price. But I also think that if he I, has a I piece that says he may or may not have best price, that is not getting the best price if he bought Robin Hood at 38. Just imagine there. 
Uh, but I do think that- I don't think the risk here is losing payment for order flow. I, I think the risk here is is that the markets aren't as exciting going forward and u- usage drops off. Payment for order flow has been around for 200 years. Right. We just called it different names. They don't names, call it But there's always been some element <laughs> yeah. of mar- market makers. But the, the Weiss makes the best point here. Weiss is saying this is not really a disruptor. And I think that's true because if you think about what were brokerage commissions- two years ago. You could trade on Schwab, Fidelity, uh, really any platform, E-Trade, for four ninety-five. So the idea that going to zero is, is some innovative thing, it reminds me of something about Mary, where the guy says, you ever heard of eight-minute abs? Here's my business idea. Seven-minute abs. It's, not, it's, it's just an evolution. Ch- Chuck Schwab wrote a book in 1990 predicting $0 commissions. He didn't know it would eventually be subsidized by hedge funds making markets, but he knew it was coming. So I I don't see it as a disruptor either. I agree with Stephen on that point. Dr. J, um, is this, a, Mm -hmm. as Josh suggests, a moment in time stock that has capitalized on a phenomenon that has swept this country through a, a pandemic when sports weren't being played? introduced a whole new generation of people to the stock market. Is it simply a moment of time and this too shall pass? Um, it, uh, Josh is 100% right about that. Um, it is uh, that people did gravitate towards this because they had stimulus checks, Scott, because they were stuck at home, because the app made it easy to trade on their mobile as well as desktop. All of that's true. And the fact that it's free um, is another big thing. But when you look at some place like Schwab um, or TD Ameritrade or Interactive Brokers, any of these others, they make a significant amount of money, forget about payment for order flow, on account balances and on lending, in other words, margin money and so forth. Um, Robinhood makes that same uh, claim and certainly does that. And the fact that they've grown to 22 million versus Schwab at 30 million, and they've been around for decades and decades, means that you don't want to just dismiss the company. I'm not saying today's valuation was fair, Scott. I'm saying that these guys are not just going away. This is going to be a behemoth in the financial industry. And, uh, you know, uh, the rest of it is just our speculation, whether Gensler does something against him that would hurt all the others as well, or whether he lets status quo continue. Hey, guys, um, hang on one sec. Hang, hang on one sec, just for me, for me. Do we still have, is Leslie still with us? Can she still hear me? I'm still here. Yeah, the question is, can you hear me, Scott? I can I can hear you. Can you just give us some color of, of what's just taking place after the company went public? Yeah, I just wanted to show everybody the stock chart, which I know you've been showing. But as you can see, the stock has declined dramatically since opening, now down about 9%. Now, why is this important? We do tend to see about 25% of deals break their issue price, at least in the last few years or so. But what's notable with this deal in particular is the fact that 25, say, give or take, about a quarter of this deal, maybe a little less, was allocated to Robinhood users. So Robinhood users who decided to purchase this stock at $38 a share, at least currently they're sitting on potentially paper losses, maybe some of them sold, uh, of about 9% on day one. Robinhood, as part of its policy, as part of its so-called IPO access platform, does require that if users want to participate in future IPOs over the next two months, that they do hold on to any IPOs they buy for at least 30 days. So that is all very notable because it it 
has an impact on the happiness and the loyalty of its users and just this IPO access product uh, as something that they are seeing as, as a potential growth mechanism for the company. Good points. Uh, Leslie, thank you. I'm going to say goodbye uh, for now. Goodbye. Thank you for rolling with it. <laughs> thank you for rolling with us. I know we'll see you soon. Uh, Leslie Picker doing great work covering the IPO of Robinhood. Jim Cramer, give me a last word before I say goodbye to you. I want to trade some of the other yeah, stocks that are I, making I news today with the gang. The syndicate should step up soon, try to jam it higher, say that the flippers are gone. But the one thing I would say, uh, and Leslie's done this amazing reporting, is, is that when you hear what you said about what the stick is versus the carrot, I don't think these people really care if they're not going to be able to get any more shares. Robinhood doesn't get big allocations. So I think it's a free-for-all. And I think if the syndicate bid, you know, they got to get the flippers out, then the syndicate's got to come in and jam it up. But I got to tell you something, the clock is ticking on the jam up, Judge. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. watch it, and Jim. And the green shoe, Jim. I know. We'll, I, uh, I hope that your, these options people are, take the stuff, that, John, that you do with your brother. They need the education, or mm-hmm. what's going to happen is what Josh said. When the market goes down, they're going to get blown out. We can't. We, remember, we got to root for the people who are trying to be in our markets. For sure. Uh, can't thank you enough for coming out. Thank you, guys. Adding your uh, voice to, the, to our conversation today. And uh, we look forward to your interview tonight with Vlad. Thank you. All right, that's Jim Cramer. You guys will take a break? You know, we'll take a quick break. Anastasia, do me a favor. I feel like you got shortchanged. Stay with me if you can uh, for the remainder of the program. I want to get your thoughts on the market, on tech, et cetera. Um, uh, hopefully you can do that. We'll be right back. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we are back. Uh, Facebook, it's down today about 4% after a Blowout quarter. I, I, don't, I don't know where you can really quibble uh, with the numbers. Anastasia, I, I want to comment from you. If we, we look at Microsoft and, and Apple and Alphabet and now Facebook, and we're going to get Amazon after the bell tonight, where are you on, on where you think mega cap tech goes from here? Yeah, you know, the question about mega cap tech has been, well, has it just been a pandemic trade that's really accelerated all things digital, e-commerce, digital advertising? And that's not my take after these blockbuster earnings that we've seen. I still think what's remarkable about these companies, these growth engines that they have, they have been generating 20% plus revenue growth 
quarter after quarter. And I don't think that's going to slow down. And if you look at some of the projections for what e-commerce is going to do in the next few years, it's still going to accelerate. If you look at the cloud spending this year, it's likely to go up 18% spending on public cloud. You know, If you look at digital advertising, 20% growth rate this year. So I still think that as big as these companies are, the trajectory for their markets, uh, for addressable markets is still significant. Now, if you look at the valuations for some of those companies, they're going to be growing for the next two years, uh, the average earnings growth rates of more than 20%. And so on a price to earnings to growth ratio, some of them are actually trading cheaper than the S&P 500. So I know that the market reaction to big cap tech has been somewhat mixed, but I think I would look through that. I would pick a few spots um, you know, within big tech to buy. And what I'll also say, that earnings growth rate that I talked about, I still think it's being underappreciated because what a lot of these companies have been doing behind the scenes, they've been future-proofing themselves. They've been investing in AI. They've been investing in autonomous mobility. They've been investing in healthcare. They've been making, actually, the investments of big tech companies are near record highs. So they are investing uh, in the future. And I think that's what could also surprise the upside as some of the newer ventures scale up for these big techs. So I'm sticking with them. I'd be investing in them and um, actually alongside them as well. Oh, so Carrie, you own Facebook. Um, so how do you see it from here? Stocks declining. Is, is that something you say? Absolutely. Because of, we just showed the revenue numbers, the revenue growth numbers on the screen for all these companies. I mean, just blow you out of the water. Astounding. 56 percent. Year-over-year revenue growth. I could go through some of the other numbers from the other companies, but we've we've done that so many times because it's been so astounding. Do you just use this dip to to buy more stock if you're already in the name? Well, I think that Facebook's up 33% this year, even with this decline. So it's it's had an outstanding year. It's up about twice the S&P 500, and we're owners of it. We're overweight. And, and I believe that no one would think that 56% growth is sustainable over the next few years. I mean, they're going to be over 30% EPS growth next quarter, 24%. Uh, the fourth quarter, 20% plus next year. The stock sells for uh, 19 times a year out earnings. So it's a reasonably priced stock. And uh, I don't think that this is an opportunity certainly to to buy lots of it, but we own a lot of it. I mean, I think it's a, a, a very attractive stock relative to the market. Uh, I'd like to, Scott, just briefly put up this table that Vinny put together. It just shows what these companies, these uh, enormous digital players, Amazon, Apple, Google, and Facebook, if you look at their sales, these companies didn't exist, right? You know. 30 plus years ago. Look at the sales of those companies and then look at the sales of a few industries, restaurants, airlines, what else did I use? Trucking and medical devices. And Apple, $347 billion in sales over the last 12 months. That's more than the entire medical device industry and then way more than the other three combined. And you're talking about big companies in healthcare like Abbott, Medtronic, Thermo Fisher. Apple is bigger than all of the industry together. So they need to have market capitalization that reflect what they're producing on the top right. line. And their their net income is enormous. So yeah, we like Facebook. Google's our largest position. The market recognized how well it's done this year. It's up 50 plus percent. And so, you know, you as Anastasia said, you have to 
be in these players right, if right. you want to be in the market. Right. I mean, it's those very numbers like the chart and, and the revenue numbers or why people look past or, or look through the, you know, the growth numbers exactly. out of MAUs and DAUs and why you sort of look towards the, the, the bigger picture for that. Weiss, it sounds to me, um, I mean, you're, you seem like you're in such a great mood today, um, that you're actually looking to sell some <laughs> of your Facebook positions. He's always. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, not today. Look, the quarter was phenomenal. There's no other way to categorize it. But their warnings were real. Now, this company has been guiding conservatively since the stock was 35 and continuously met those challenges very well and exceeded them. However, in conversation, doing some, uh, some due diligence and talking with some advertising agency people, their clients are now looking to go more towards TikTok and in fact, Facebook is, look, is losing share in their Instagram to TikTok uh, and also to YouTube. But Facebook also pointed out that the Apple privacy, uh, you know, governors they put on it is hurting their ability to put in uh, to track uh, users, which is also hurting their revenues. So the big bet is on Oculus at this point. Again, I think they'll rise to the challenge. I've got a very large position, which included a trading position I put on a little while ago as I was waiting for it to break out. I'm not doing anything now. Uh, if anything, I'd probably buy a little here because it generally recovers, but I'm just sitting on my hands. If it gets up to a certain level, I will peel it back, but I don't think I'll exit. It's extraordinarily cheap. Even if you cut their growth rate down, I mean, just look at how fast it's growing. So if it grows at 20%, I'd pay 19 times in a heartbeat. So, Josh Brown, I, I wanted to get your take as we look ahead to, to Amazon. But, but what I want to do first, because we're running out of time and we, we probably got to make up some <laughs> commercial breaks, too. Um, I want to talk quickly about your new buy. Uh, MTTR, Matterport. We've never discussed this name, I don't think, yeah. on this program. Why should we today? So I, I want people to be careful when they buy this thing. I think there's time. I don't think it's about to run away. It's a long-term investment for me. It's not a trade. I, I bought about a third of the position size that I ultimately want to end up with. And I'm going to allow this company to report its first quarter as a public company before I add to it again. I, I want to kind of take it slow here. But I'm more excited about this company's product, service, technology than really anything I've been excited about in a long time. Basically, what they're doing is creating a digital twin, or they call it a dollhouse, of every piece of real estate in the world. There are four billion buildings on, on, on the Earth's surface and 20 billion spaces. And what they're doing is creating a digital version using, using cameras uh, of these places and then turning that unstructured data into structured data for use by companies. So they've got 300,000 subscribers, everything from insurance companies to real estate to industrial companies, but they are mapping out people's physical space, converting it to digital data, and then license uh, uh, software as a service uh, to those subscribers. So it's a great ARR business, and you know we love those. Uh, growth was explosive last year. The breakthrough innovation here, Scott, in order to do this up until recently, you needed very high-quality digital camera with an engineer behind it. Um, they created an iPhone app, and as the iPhone camera improves and LiDAR gets uh, added to it, that's really going to be the thing that I think could make Matterport into a household name. Imagine every homeowner mapping out their home. Imagine every retail business mapping out their stores or restaurants and doing so for the purposes 
of maintenance, heating and cooling, construction, selling it, uh, uh, real estate tours. It's just an incredible situation. So I'm long. I hope to add. I don't mind buying higher if I have to. I want to take it slow while I build my position. And I'm really excited about where this company could ultimately go. All right. If you want to buy more, you're going to have to buy it higher because your own words have pushed the stock up by, uh, what, 13 percent today, uh, near the highs of the day, uh, at the highs of the day, clearly. Uh, for, for that one. Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get a couple of comments ahead of Amazon's big report after the bell. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, we mentioned uh, Robinhood. There is the latest trade of $35.24 or so. Uh, and that is below the $38 open price uh, for Robinhood. H-O-O-D, the ticker. We'll keep our eyes there down more than 7%. At this very moment, we do continue to look ahead to Amazon, unusual activity. Doc, what do you have? Give me unusual first, and then I'd love your comment on Amazon. Sure. Uh, I'll make them quick, Scott. Uh, Rio, R-I-O, Rio Tinto. Um, basically, anything in the mining sector is ripping today, and these guys are no exception. We're seeing a lot of January calls, 10,000 of the January. It's a strange strike. 96.57 is the strike price, I know. Um, but they bought those calls, 10,000 of them with the stock at 89. Second one real quick, Workhorse. I love the fact that it's down 35% um, just in the last month or so. Um, earnings are going to be August 9th. They are an EV maker. I show the AUG 14 calls uh, basically hitting aggressively with the stock at about 1186. And again, that's after a big sell-off. So maybe they do see a little bit of a pop here, Scott, over the next couple weeks. And Doc, you, you have shares and calls uh, in Amazon. What are you expecting? And does, you know, the way that the other big mega cap techs have traded um, after their numbers give you any pause about what you think could happen on the other side? Uh, I guess a little bit, Scott, but uh, right now I'm short the 3,700, 3,750, and 3,800 calls against long calls and long stock. Why have I done that? Because I don't know if we see more than a $100 pop. And if we do, I'll give up that upside beyond that. But I'm taking in a lot of big, fat premium on those short calls. Okay. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Steve Weiss, what about you? In, in terms of Amazon? Yeah, in Amazon. I mean, you own, you own the shares, Look, right? You own it. Yeah, I do. Look, I, I tried to hedge out. The calls are too expensive. I wouldn't do the calls. I only puts too expensive. I'm staying with this. Expectations are very high. The stock is likely to sell off and follows pattern the others. But you know what? It's going to continue to be the gift that keeps on giving. So I'm staying with it. Carrie, what about you? Yeah, Amazon sells for 37 times the year-out earnings. Uh, that's the first time it's ever been sort of a reasonable multiple. And it only started to outperform uh, about a month and a half ago after underperforming for almost nine months. So even if it comes off a little because of high expectations, we're owners of the stock and we would buy it if it dipped more. Anastasia, if big tech starts to, starts to falter a little bit in terms of stock performance, Right. And maybe this is the beginning of that post earnings. What does it mean for the overall rally? 
I don't think it means uh, much, really, because I think the overall rally is a bit of you know holding pattern right now. We've had a stellar first half of the year, and I think in the second half of the year, we may see an upside of 3 to 5%, but it's probably not much more than that. I mean, the reality is there's no reason to sell the stocks right now, but there's also no reason to buy into them aggressively because we've just not seen the pullbacks. So I think this is going to be a market that's going to be buy and hold. You know, growth is going to slow a little bit, but it's not going to fall off the cliff. The Fed may taper, but rates are still at zero. And just think about the fiscal accommodation that's gone into this market, but what has been the shortest recession on record, of course, the steepest one too. So I just think this is going to be a bit of a holding pattern and we're going to have to be a little more careful and nuanced about finding our spot. One thing I'll say though, finding our spot, there's so much talk in the market about inflation being transitory. The Fed talks about it, but let's face it, inflation is not going back to pre-pandemic levels anytime soon. We're not going down below two. We're going to be two, three percent probably for the next uh, 12 to 18 months. So I think that's the part of the portfolio that I want to beef up and make sure I have some of those inflation hedges. Sounds good. Anastasia, it's been great having you on the program today. Thanks again for your patience at the top. We'll see you soon. That's Anastasia Amoroso uh, joining us once again today. Let's do some final trades. Carrie, what do you have for us? Integer, ITGR, it's a medical device company, small cap, beginning to see the resurgence of procedures done in hospitals. All right, Steve Weiss. Yeah, Volkswagen, look, they put up a stellar quarter, a beaten raise. The future's extremely bright. You get it seven times earnings, what will be the top EV manufacturer going forward. Just point out Skyworks reports tonight. I think it's going to be a great quarter based upon Apple and Qualcomm. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Dr. J. Um, Freeport, Scott. Uh, I talked about miners, uh, including gold, of course. Gold itself is up a one and a quarter percent. But across the board, we're seeing speculation in the miners and in Cle- Cleveland Cliffs. I still call it that as well as uh, FCX. So FCX, Scott, Freeport. All right. Thank you. Josh Brown, last but not least. All-time record high for the IYR, that's U.S. REITs. Uh, Sector's up 25% year-to-date. If you were worried about inflation, this was the way to hedge it so far. All right, we've got a new high today for the S&P, a new high for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Throw out Robinhood, guys, if you could, as we go out here. Again, Robinhood officially opens for trading during our hour, and there it is. It's down about 5%, $36. That's a couple bucks uh, below the open price. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.